Good evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day today. Welcome to BVJ's Bedtime Stories. My name is Big Voice Jay, and this is a show where we get you ready for a great night's sleep with some old familiar stories that you haven't heard in a while. Links to every story can be found in the show notes at our website, bedtimewithbvj.com. Tonight's story, Jeff Peters as a Personal Magnet by O. Henry. Jeff Peters has been engaged in as many schemes for making money as there are recipes for cooking rice in Charleston, South Carolina. Best of all, I like to hear him tell of his earlier days when he sold liniments and golf cures on street corners, living hand-to-mouth, heart-to-heart with the people, throwing heads or tails with fortune for his last coin. I struck Fisher Hill, Arkansas, said he, in a buckskin suit, moccasins, long hair, and a 30-carat diamond ring that I got from an actor in Texarkana. I don't know what he ever did with the pocket knife I swapped him for it. I was Dr. Wahoo, the celebrated medicine. I carried only one best bet just then, and that was resurrection bitters. It was made of life-giving plants and herbs accidentally discovered by Taquala, the beautiful wife of the chief of the Choctaw Nation, while gathering truck to garnish a platter of boiled dog for the annual corn dance. Business hadn't been good in the last town, so I only had five dollars. I went to the Fisher Hill druggist, and he credited me for half a gross of eight-ounce bottles and corks. I had the labels and ingredients in my valise, left over from the last town. Life began to look rosy again after I got in my hotel room, with the water running from the tap and the resurrection bitters lining up on the table by the dozen. Fake? Oh, sir. There was two dollars worth of fluid extract of Kinchona, and a dime's worth of aniline and that half gross of bitters. I've gone through towns years afterwards and had folks ask for them. I tried a wagon that night and commenced selling the bitters on Main Street. Fisher Hill was a low, natural town, and a compound hypothetical pneumocardiac antiscorbulic tonic was just what I diagnosed the crowd as needing. The bitters started off like sweetbreads on toast at a vegetarian dinner. I sold two dozen at fifty cents apiece when I felt somebody pull my coattail. I knew what that meant, so I climbed down and snaked the five-dollar bill into the hand of a man with a German silver star on his lapel. Constable, says I, it's a fine night. Have you got a city license, he asked, to sell this illegitimate essence of spooju that you flatter by the name of medicine? I have not, says I. I didn't know you had a city. If I can find it tomorrow, I'll take one out if it's necessary. I'll have to close you up till you do, says the constable. I quit selling and went back to the hotel. I was talking to the landlord about it. Oh, you won't stand no show in Fisher Hill, says he. Dr. Hoskins, the only doctor here, is the brother-in-law of the mayor. And they won't allow no fake doctor to practice in town. I don't practice medicines. I've got a state peddler's license, and I take out a city one whenever they demand it. I went to the mayor's office the next morning, and they told me he hadn't showed up yet. They didn't know when he'd be down. So Doc Wahoo hunches down again in a hotel chair and lights a Jimson weed regalia and waits. By and by, a young man in a blue necktie slips into the chair next to me and asks the time. 
half past ten, says I. And you are Andy Tucker. I've seen you work. Wasn't it you that put up the great Cupid combination package on the southern states? Let's see. It was a Chilean diamond engagement ring, a wedding ring, a potato masher, a bottle of soothing syrup and Dorothy Vernon, all for 50 cents. And he was pleased to hear that I remembered him. He was a good street man, and he was more than that. He respected his profession, and he was satisfied with 300% profit. He had plenty of offers to go into the illegitimate drug and garden seed business, but he was never to be tempted off of the straight path. I wanted a partner, so Andy and me agreed to go out together. I told him about the situation in Fisher Hill and how finances was low on account of the local mixture of politics and jalap. Andy had just got in on the train that morning. He was pretty low himself and was going to canvas the whole town for a few dollars to build a new battleship by popular subscription at Eureka Springs. So we went out and sat on the porch and talked it over. The next morning at 11 o'clock when I was sitting there alone, a gentleman shuffles into the hotel and asked for the doctor to see Judge Banks, who, it seems, was the mayor and a mighty sick man. I'm no doctor, says I. Why don't you go and get the doctor? Boss, says he, Doc Hoskins has gone 20 miles in the country to see some sick persons. He's the only doctor in town, and Mr. Banks is powerful bad off. He sent me to ask you, please, come. As man to man, says I, I'll go and look him over. So I put a bottle of resurrection bitters in my pocket and goes up on the hill to the mayor's mansion, the finest house in town, with a mansur roof and two cast-iron dogs on the lawn. This mayor Banks was in bed all but his whiskers and feet. He was making internal noises that would have had everybody in San Francisco hiking for the parks. A young man was standing by the bed holding a cup of water. Doc, says the mayor, I'm awful sick. I'm about to die. Can't you do nothing for me? Mr. Mayor, says I, I'm not a regular preordained disciple of S.Q. Lepius. I never took a course in a medical college, says I. I've just come as a fellow man to see if I could be of assistance. I'm deeply obliged, says he. Doc Wahoo, this is my nephew, Mr. Biddle. He is trying to alleviate my distress, but without success. Oh, Lordy, ow, 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 he sings out nods at Mr. Biddle and sits down by the bed and feels the mayor's pulse. Let me see your liver, uh, your tongue, I mean, says I. Then I turns up the lids of his eyes and looks close at the pupils of him. How long have you been sick, I asked. I was taken down. Ouch. Last night, says the mayor. Give me something for it, Doc, won't you? Mr. Fiddle, says I. Raise the window shade a bit, will you? Biddle, says the young man. Do you feel like you could eat some ham and eggs, Uncle James? Mr. Mayor, says I, after laying my ear to his right shoulder blade and listening. You've got a bad attack of superinflammation of the right clavicle of harpsichord. Good Lord, says he with a groan. Don't you rub something on it or set it or anything? I picks up my hat and starts for the door. You ain't going, Doc, says the mayor with a bow. 
You ain't going away and leaving me to die like this. Superfluity of the clabbards, are you? Common humanity, Dr. Wuhan, says Mr. Biddle, ought to prevent your deserting a fellow human in distress. Dr. Wahoo, when you get through plowing, says I. And then I walks back to the bed and throws back my long hair. Mr. Mayor, says I, there's only one hope for you. Drugs will do you no good. But there is another higher power yet. Though drugs are high enough. And what is that, says he? Scientific demonstrations, says The triumph of mind over sarsaparilla. The belief that there is no pain in sickness except what is produced when we ain't feeling well. Declare yourself in arrears. Demonstrate. Is this paraphernalia you speak of, Doc, says the mayor. You ain't a socialist, are you? I'm speaking, says I, of the great doctrine of psychic financiering, of the enlightened school of long distance, subconscious treatment of fallacies and meningitis, of that wonderful indoor sport known as personal magnetism. Can you work it, Doc, says the mayor. I'm one of the sole Sanhedrims and ostensible hooplas of the inner pulpit, says the lame talk, blind rubber, whenever I make a pass at him. I am a medium, a coloratura hypnotist and a spirituous control. It was only through me at the recent seances at Ann Arbor that the late president of the Vinegar Bitters Company could revisit the earth to communicate with his sister Jane. You see me peddling medicine on the street, says I, to the poor. I don't practice personal magnetism on them. I do not drag it in the dust. I, because they haven't got the dust. Will you treat my case, asked the mayor. Listen, says I, I've had a good deal of trouble with medical societies everywhere I've been. I don't practice medicine. But, to save your life, I'll give you the psychic treatment if you'll agree as mayor not to push the license question. Of course I will, says he. Now get to work, Doc. These pains are coming on again. Fee will be $250. Cure guaranteed in two treatments. All right, says the mayor. I'll pay it, I guess. It's worth that much. I sat down by the bed and looked him straight in the eye. Now, says I. Get your mind off the disease. You ain't sick. You haven't got a heart or a clavicle or a funny bone or brains or anything. You haven't got any pain. Declare error. Now, you feel the pain that you didn't have leaving, don't you? I do feel some better, Doc, says the mayor. Darn if I don't. Now, state a few lines about my not having this swelling in my left side, and I think I could be propped up and have some sausage and buckwheat cakes. I made a few passes with my hands. Now, says I, the inflammation's gone. The right lobe of the perihelion has subsided. You're getting sleep. You can't hold your eyes open any longer. For the present... The disease is checked. Now, you are asleep. The mayor shut his eyes slowly and began to snore. You observe, Mr. Tittle, says I. 
the wonders of modern science. Biddle, says he, when will you give uncle the rest of the treatment, Dr. Poo-Poo? Wahoo, says I. I'll come back at 11 tomorrow. When he wakes up, give him eight drops of turpentine and three pounds of steak. Good morning. The next morning I was back on time. Well, Mr. Riddle, says I, when he opened the bedroom door, and how is uncle this morning? He seems much better, says the young man. The mayor's color and pulse was fine. I gave him another treatment, and he said the last of the pain left him. Now, says I, you'd better stay in bed for a day or two, and you'll be all right. It's a good thing I happen to be in Fisher Hill, Mr. Mayor, said for all the remedies and the cornucopia that the regular schools of medicine use couldn't have saved you. And now that error has flew and pain proved a perjurer, let's allude to a cheerfuller subject. Say the fee of $250. No checks, please. I hate to write my name on the back of a check almost as bad as I do on the front. I've got the cash here, says the mayor, pulling a pocketbook from under his pillow. He counts out five $50 notes and holds them in his hand. Bring the receipt, says the Biddle. I signed the receipt, and the mayor handed me the money. I put it in my inside pocket careful. Now do your duty, officer, says the mayor, grinning much unlike a sick man. Mr. Biddle lays his hand on my arm. You're under arrest, Dr. Wahoo, alias Peters, says he for practicing medicine without authority under the state law. Who are you, I asks. I'll tell you who he is, says Mr. Mayor, sitting up in bed. He's a detective employed by the State Medical Society. He's been following you over five counties. He came to me yesterday, and we fixed up this scheme to catch you. I guess you won't do any more doctoring around these parts, Mr. Faker. What was it you said I had, Duck? The mayor laughs. Compound? Well, it wasn't softening of the brain, I guess, anyway. A detective. Correct, says Biddle. I'll have to turn you over to the sheriff. Let's see you do it, says I. And I grabs Biddle by the throat and half throws him out the window. But he pulls a gun and sticks it under my chin and I stand still. Puts handcuffs on me and takes the money out of my pocket. I witness, says he that they're the same bank bills that you and I marked, Judge Banks. I'll turn them over to the sheriff when we get to his office, and he'll send you a receipt. They'll have to be used as evidence in this case. All right, Mr. Biddle, says the mayor. And now, Doc Wahoo, goes on, why don't you demonstrate? Can't you pull the cork out of your magnetism with your teeth and hocus-pocus them handcuffs off? Come on, officer, says I, dignified. I may as well make the best of it. And then I turns to Banks and rattles my chains. Mr. Mayor, says I, the time will come soon when you'll believe that personal magnetism is a success. And you'll be sure that it succeeded in this case, too. And I guess it did. When we got nearly to the gate, I says, We might meet somebody now, Andy. I reckon you better take him off and... Hey, why, of course, it was Andy Tucker. That was his scheme. And that's how we got the capital to go into business together.
If you have to be in bed, you may as well make it the most comfortable place you can be. That's why you should use Casper mattresses. They'll let you sleep on it for 100 days. And if you're not satisfied, they'll come pick it up. Enter BVJ in the promo code and it will do absolutely nothing. But this is not a sponsored read. I would like to thank you for downloading the podcast. And I would like to thank you for giving us a review on iTunes to help spread the word. You can send me stories to read. Email me, bigvoicej at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>